Welcome to the Emergent Experience Podcast. I'm Monique. And I'm Satoya. We are two close friends that share a passion for self-care, personal growth, and women's empowerment through honest dialogue and shared life experiences. Thank Thank you for for joining us. us. So we're jumping in on part two on our two-part series of mental health in the Black community. What you're going to be hearing next is a conversation that we were having about multi-generational healing. Listen in. And how do I, how do I survive? How do I survive out here if I can't, I can't be this way that I was taught. I have to be the next way. How do, how do you survive out of that? Yeah. It sounds to me like a big piece of healing needs to, it needs to be multi-generational. Mm-hmm. Like, I guess I don't I don't know that a kid would do very well after leaving a like leaving a facility going back into the same environment without their parents mm-hmm. being educated as well mm-hmm. and being committed to change as well. With that being said, we go back to this whole thing about trauma and how do we teach kids and come from that. Um one thing we need to understand that Mental health, period, and treatment, which we've mentioned before, is stigmatized in the black community. So a lot of times we're not educated enough and we use what we see as maybe depression or hypervigilance. We just use it. We throw an excuse on it. Yeah. You got to pray over it. You got to get over it. And then and that that's that's a big issue, the stigma. And a lot of times by the time we do seek help or our kids end up in residential or we end up in therapy, a lot of times it's because it's I'm not saying it's too late, but it's so deep that it's going to yeah. take some work. It's going to take some work. Yeah, some serious, serious uprooting. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the truth. And I, it, I just, it makes me think about my own story mm-hmm. as my own frame of reference for trauma and... Um, now having Zoe and having like the next generation that I'm responsible for and responsible to not continue patterns, like unhealthy patterns, you know, like when I first had her, it just made me think like, well, how, what do I have to do? What practical steps do I have to make in order to keep her from experiencing the same trauma that I did? Mm-hmm. And I think the thing I realized as a parent is that ultimately, no matter what I tell her, she's going to respond to how I treat her and she's going to respond to what I do. Mm-hmm. And so I've been learning just how to um, how to basically work on self-healing because when it comes from a true place of me becoming whole, then I won't continue the patterns that I grew up with. Hmm. I won't um, I won't treat her as a possession, or I won't um, disrespect her or um, show no regard for her. Um, but that that's that's been my own personal experience with trauma and the whole multi generational. Mm-hmm. Portion, like I think it's so imperative, so imperative that parents heal. Absolutely, I think that's exactly what needs to happen. 
a lot of times we're trying to help the child not and the parent is one that really needs the support and needs to have an outlet and needs to go through their own journey and healing absolutely right that's yeah a lot of because i mean ultimately parents parents are the ones that control the environment for the child Mm -hmm. they control it they create it and they put the standard they they are the ones who create the standards of what in which a child should model yeah um then some little facts i want to kind of throw out there um and something that's very important we should know that uh adults Black African-Americans are 20% more likely to report serious psychological distress than adult whites. Um, Adult black, I put adult black or African-Americans, it depends what you like, um, below, are living below poverty levels. And they are three times more likely to report serious psychological distress than those living living above poverty. Of course, you got to worry about food, heat, how your kids going to be dressed. How, like, how are you going to get the next meal? You know, some people like, oh, food stamps, honey. Sometimes food stamps does not give enough depending on what state you are or what the situation is. And sometimes they'll tell you you make too money, much money for food stamp, but all your money is just enough to pay your bills, to pay, get a roof over your head. And then you're really trying to figure out what you're going to do. Um, African-Americans are more likely to have feelings of sadness, hopelessness, worthlessness than adult whites. Um... But we're more likely to ignore it or we, we think we kind of normalize it. Um, we're also less likely than whites to die from suicide as teenagers. But African-American teenagers are more likely to attempt suicide than whites. So that's interesting. Um, as you can see, there's been a lot of suicides, suicides happening in, 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 our, in our community. You see it on the news. And it's, it's really something that could have been avoided. Um, and an issue that I find is that blacks make less than 2% of the American Psychological Association. So not only that, that's social workers, that's nurse, psychiatric nurse practitioners, um, that's psychiatrists, and like I said, psychologists. We only make up about 2%, maybe 3 Because, you know... Mm. We only make up that much, so there's such a little amount of us to go around to be able to help other people of color. And not saying someone who is of another color can't help, but of course you can. But there also sometimes there's cultural context that if someone feels, if someone, if you are of, if you're not of color, and you tell me that the cultural context of someone, the cultural background is not important, then you are definitely not a good therapist for me. Oh, it's, it's. I think it's so imperative that a therapist can relate culturally mm-hmm. to the patient. Because, I mean, if there isn't enough black representation among the psychological association, I would think that black people probably wouldn't want to show up. Mm-hmm. The words are shame, embarrassed, though they don't believe. And you know what? We've been through so much stuff in history that there's there's, there's so many reasons. Like, yeah, I'm just being misunderstood. Mm-hmm. How about making up diagnoses such as let me see if I can pronounce it properly, diesthesia, atopica, whatever that means. I'll let let you guys see the link and everything. But Dr. Cartwright gave slaves this diagnosis, which means it's a mental illness. It's a mental illness that explains the laziness of slaves 
And drapedomania was a mental disorder that led a slave to fleeing captivity. So you gave us diagnosis thinking that we were wrong for staying in captivity and being beaten and raped and treating like cattle. So that that that's what that's that's the stuff we had to deal with in history. We're inhuman, we shouldn't deal with this, we should push through. If you think about slavery, you have beaten, bruised, scorned, blisters on your feet, blisters on your hand. You had to work from dawn to to the break, to the, all the way to the end of the night. And they didn't care if you were depressed. They didn't care if you were sad. They didn't care. You had to keep pushing through. So we have right. this, we have this push through mentality. Keep on pushing. Keep on doing it. You strong. You know what? Sometimes you don't have to be strong. Sometimes you got to sit back and say, you know what? I'm not strong right now. And I need some help. Right. That's all that's about. So, um... And I think I think just based off of that alone, I think it would be helpful if we start to redefine our belief about strength Absolutely. and what strength looks like. It's not weakness to cry and it's not weakness to express a need for help. It's not weakness to talk about your express feelings. pain and yes. to talk about feelings exactly. like that's not weakness as a matter of fact that is strength because of the vulnerability that it takes to even do that absolutely talk about it man i need to talk i think there's one thing my mom and i sure you guys are gonna i'm sure i said this before my mom was like oh my gosh just you just love to tell people your business <laughs> you, know what? Business. you know what <laughs> they come from old school where you keep everything quiet and shut down but I can't right. if I'm going through something I'm going to kick and scream you're going to hear me I'm going through something right now I'm not trying to be that person where everything is sucked and bottled in because I know how it was when I was a teenager and it took over so I will never do that again so that's pretty much this is pretty much what we want, how we're feeling right now. I think it's important for you guys to think, sit back, think about your trauma, your own trauma. And if you're not a person of color listening, think about your trauma and how it affects you. And if you have friends, have a conversation. Like, what, what was your childhood like? How do you think it affects you? And, you know, you do have friends. We all have a friend that may be struggling. There's nothing wrong with saying, hey, you know, I know you're struggling. You want to talk about it? If not, let's go to someone who can help you. Shoot, I'll go with you to your first therapy session. And I'm that right. kind of person. Like, I will do that. So, there's nothing wrong with that. Let's keep the communication open. Let's be accepting, not ju- non-judgmental about this. And I think we can be a totally better place as a people, as a community, and as in, in society in general. So... Uh, we talked quite a bit about um, some topics that could be triggering. And so if you feel like you need to talk to someone, if you feel like um, you're lonely or you're having a hard time, just go ahead and call the National Suicide Prevention Hotline. The number is 1-800-273-8255. You'll also find the phone number in the show notes. And... Um, Before we wrap up, we just want to tell you thank you so much from the bottom of our hearts for listening. Thank you. You know, we're very new to navigating this whole podcast world. So and we don't even know um, if you want to hear what we want to say or what we're saying. And we're figuring it out. We would love to hear your opinions, good and bad. 
We would love to hear your comments, questions, if you have any particular topics that you'd love to um, you'd love for us to discuss and you'd love to um, give us some feedback on. We'd love to hear that. You can send us an email at hello at theemergentexperience.com. And with that, we're going to end with our quote. Trauma creates change you don't choose. Healing is about creating change you do choose. That's a quote from Michelle Rosenthal. MD. <laughs> I had to do that. I had to Google who she was. She's doing some good. She's doing some good work. So, thank you for listening. Bye. Until next time. Bye bye.